Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. This is the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. I'm one of two hosts, Richard Lusk. Over there, directly across from me is the other host, Mr. Brian Bull. How are you today, sir? Doing well. You're listening to episode 165 of the Laugh Podcast. You can find our other episodes on Stitcher or iTunes, or you can go to our website, www.thelabpodcast.com, where you can also follow our summer box office challenge, which I think after this week is pretty much in the bag for you, Mr. Bull. I have to concede, I think. Yay, champion. Although I do have some personal accomplishments, which are incredibly meaningless in the long run. But we can go over those at some other juncture. At any rate, now... For this episode, we're going to be reviewing Justin Lin's Star Trek Beyond, featuring a host of actors as the crew of the Starship Enterprise entering the second half of their five-year mission in space. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father now you're wondering just what it means to be you it isn't uncommon you know it's easy to get lost in the vastness of space there's only yourself your ship your crew you really want to head back out there huh What the hell is this? They're boarding us. Abandon ship! My God. Star Trek Beyond is uh, directed by Justin Lin, created by Gene Roddenberry. The screenplay for this is Simon Pegg and Doug Young, who appears in the movie. Who was he in the movie? He is uh, George Takai's... Oh, Sulu. Sulu's oh. Uh, husband. Yeah, that much ado about nothing scene. Yeah. I mean, all the press lead up, you thought, oh, this is going to be huge. It's going to be more than three seconds. Right. <laughs> if you blinked, that was done. But anyway, this movie, uh, according to IMDb, actually found a pretty good uh, summary on IMDb this week. The USS Enterprise crew explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space where they encounter a new ruthless enemy who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to test. This movie stars Chris Pine as James T. Kirk, Zachary Quinto as Commander Spock, Carl Urban as Dr. Bones McCoy, Zoe Saldana, Lieutenant Uhura, Simon Pegg, also the screenwriter, is uh, Montgomery Scott, John Cho, Stars as Sulu and uh, Anton Yelkin, Laugh Podcast fave. The uh, recently deceased Anton Yelkin is Chekhov. This movie also features the fetching Sophia Butella as J-Law. Uh, well, I'll talk about her character in a minute. It's one of the one of the highlights of the movie, as far as I'm concerned. All right, so the original Star Trek television show and movie are special to me and many people for a variety of reasons. Uh, the fact, I think that they're still relevant today 
maybe because they provide a template for telling absorbing stories in a sci-fi setting with <laughs> compelling, recognizable, and likable characters. These stories are often told in an exciting way while examining deep, thoughtful themes. My question to you, Mr. Bull, is this. Does this new installment of Star Trek honor its pedigree as thoughtful science fiction, or has it become, simply put, a popcorn action movie set in space? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, the, the things that I respond to in the movie are the popcorny ass aspects of it. I've never really been a fan of any of the Star Trek TV shows. I've watched all the movies, and a lot of times they're pretty boring. And uh, I generally find myself liking the movies that other people don't like in the Star Trek canon. I was a big fan of Into Darkness, which people really, really hated. I thought that was one of the best, if not the best, Star Trek movie. It is one of the worst movies of that year. No, no, no. As far as I'm concerned. Star Trek was awesome. Into Darkness. This uh, one is definitely in the top half of Star Trek movies. When you say movies, all you've watched all the Star Trek movies, you're talking about the original recipe with... Um, I can William only think Shatner. of the characters. Yeah, William Shatner. And saw, the, saw the Next Generation ones. Mm -hmm. You know, they're fine. But like I said, generally I like the ones that other people don't care for. I've pretty much always enjoyed these reboots. Uh, with Chris Pine and Carl Urban, Zachary Quinto. I've enjoyed all three of those. This one is probably my least favorite of the three. Wow. There are aspects that I really enjoyed, but there were other times the movie kind of got tedious, I felt. Hmm. And the technology lets us down too often in these. The technology of filmmaking? No, the technology that they have. They just forget about it. When it could solve their problems, like the teleporter could have been used a whole lot more throughout these movies. Well, the, it wasn't the teleporter the... Okay. I don't want to spoil stuff. Well, early on, they have to crash land on a planet, and that's mm -hmm. given away in the trailer. They have all these single escape pods, single mm -hmm. person. You're like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. And why aren't they just transporting the people down to the planet? Wouldn't that be a whole lot safer? All right. Uh, I mean, I have an answer or response to that. Yeah, I mean, those were just kind of the things that bugged me. I like that we got a lot more Carl Urban in this film. I thought the secondary cast was really, really strong. And they, and they had more stuff to do, so I enjoyed that. I thought Chris Pine fell flat. Your argument, though, about technology... It creates so many plot holes. Yeah, but that's the, that is the biggest problem with Into Darkness. So how does this movie... I mean, why do you hold this movie up to scorn and scrutiny, whereas Into Darkness, which had pretty much the same problems, gets a pass? Why is Into Darkness a better movie than this? Because the plot holes in that are huge compared to the plot holes in this in terms of technology, I think. I, I would argue that the technology plot holes you're talking about into, into Darkness are more that the technology allows you to do things that you should never be able to do because now there are no states. Like, they kind of solve the problem of dying in that, in that film. Which I like this movie doesn't reference that. Yeah. So, Skips right over it. But here, like, I, I just, I thought the teleporter solves all of your problems. All right. I have an answer to that. But, I mean, simply put, they, it, the transporter is at most 20 people you can transport. Yeah. And you need someone there. And 
the way that the attack happened so quickly, they didn't have necessarily time to all queue up in a line in the transporter room to be transported to the planet. I mean, could you imagine? That'd be like waiting to go to the bathroom at the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I just don't see that as a big problem for this movie because that that wasn't even a. That, that but, wasn't. But a, they have these amazing ships that they're able to take down the Enterprise. The Enterprise doesn't even know they're there until the enemy ships are right on top of them. Yeah, but that's not it. But yet they Star they Trek go after this so. secret weapon that's yeah 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 supposedly yeah. super powerful and it's really not that great. No, that I, I, I believe me, you're playing my role. Yeah, this no, is those, where. I'm, no, I mean that's the, that's the stuff that let me down. I love when t- two characters were just talking and interacting, like Zachary Quinto and Carl Urban. They spend a lot of the film together, mm-hmm. and they're able to rift well off of each other. I really thought that stuff was great. I love you know Spock and Zoe Saldana, or yeah, uh, Zoe Saldana, like their scenes. Okay, I enjoy all that stuff, but the big. Uh, the major parts that you're supposed to love about Star Trek, like Captain Kirk. Kirk wasn't that great in this. No, actually. Kirk didn't have a whole lot to do. I have to agree with you there. Although, this movie could have been called Star Trek Three: The Search for Kirk. <laughs> because, at least in terms of finding oneself, that's sort of what sets the whole movie off. This is a whiny, angst-ridden Kirk who's bringing, like, millennial a millennial mentality to the Star Trek universe that doesn't for me seem to ring true to that kind of character. Mm -hmm. He's always, I mean, I think they're doing a pretty good job of trying to tie these things together in terms of how he's standing in his father's shadow, which seems to be a lot more important in this iteration than in the, you know, the original recipe Mm -hmm. iteration of Star Trek. Like I didn't even know that he had a dad, you know, I mean, everybody has a dad. Yeah. But it wasn't right. It was George Lusk or George, uh, Kirk, George Kirk. George Lusk is actually the detective on the uh, Jack the Ripper case. So I don't know why that was in my head, except my name is Lusk. No wonder it went unsolved. There's not that many Georges out there. I was curious, George, George of the jungle. Yeah. I wonder if those two ever met. <laughs> if they ever ran into each other, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know what they're trying to do with Kirk. I, I want him to be confident in wanting to go on the adventures. Yeah, he I want the, the Kirk that's Kobe always promised. Maru. Yeah, I want the Kirk that's promised at the end of every movie. Because he always has some character arc, this crisis of confidence. And at the end of the movie, he's always ready to go on, to you know boldly go. That's the Kirk I want for a whole movie. <laughs> And I like Chris Pine. I think he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I thought he's done a lot with the Kirk role in the previous two films. I just felt like he was really let down in this one. All right. So. I You mentioned uh, Carl Urban as a highlight. I tend to agree. I, he's also, uh, in addition to being a, a very accomplished uh, country music singer, he is the best character. <laughs> no, I, we went over yeah. He's not really country music. I thought that he was... Uh, playing in a different movie though he was playing at a different level i think everybody else was tonally a little bit under him except maybe scotty scotty was a little bit frenetic and maybe that's the character but um he had he had the best lines he had the best reactions he was a well-written character in this movie from everything i've read from fan star trek fans he's the only character in this new iteration or the only actor who does a better job Maybe Zoe Saldana, you could put up there too. 
but he you everyone loves Carl Urban's bones mm. more so than the original. Uh, I won't go that far because I didn't like him in the other two. I I like the way this character is written, but again, I think tonally he's a little bit off. He's got more stuff to do. Um, the problem is, you mentioned the interactions between him and Spock were great. I would say you're half right, <laughs> because he was good in them. But again, like you don't like Kirk? I don't like this Spock. Yeah, I think he's fine. I think if you want to ruin a, a Star Trek movie, have Spock cry. Have tears come out of Spock's eyes and have him not have green blood. That's those are two major things. If you're gonna that that ruins us. That that's more distracting to me than a cell phone in a movie theater. If, if Spock starts crying, are you kidding me? That's insane. Again, millenn- millennial angst and sadness, and oh, the world is so sad. No, oh, I have so many responsibilities. I can't do this and that. And come on, give me a break. I know he's dealing with a different timeline. Uh, in terms of him being isolated and alone and being like the last Vulcan or whatever <laughs> that exists. But still, I mean, that's all subplot and subtext that you wouldn't even know unless you were invested in the movie. As a character, he's supposed to be pure logic. He goes from crying to laughing in the same scene within 22 seconds. And that annoyed the... Okay. Oh, that annoyed me. I, I do think this movie... Uh, special effects wise was gorgeous yeah the, the world building that they did there's that uh space station with the weird gravity so buildings can mm-hmm. the yorktown uh, be built in any direction um seeing the enterprise you know flying around all that stuff was great the there was a shot of it doing uh warp speed and kind of this bubble effect mm-hmm. around it if you had like a uh movie camera that or a a, a projector mm-hmm. that could project that image around your room at night while you're sleeping. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. You so, woke up and you just saw... All that, the uh, drone... Yeah, uh, the battle sequences were good. Yeah, the They're drones pretty that gorgeous. And all that. I thought it was great. I kind of wish I'd seen it in IMAX 3D, but unfortunately, scheduling, I wasn't able to. It was a busy weekend. What kind of... Um, I just saw it up here. Oh, and Hayes? Yeah. I, I had wanted to go. I just I, not that IMAX is that important because I don't think it was filmed in IMAX, and I've heard that 3D elements don't really add a whole lot to the movie. I could see where they were forcing the mm-hmm. 3D elements into it, uh, you know. But I, even though I can't see 3D, but I did see it at the THX Dolby Theater. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive, man. Oh, if you're going to see base. a movie like this, you need to see it on the big screen. It doesn't make any sense. But not only that, there's also like. Um, the contrast between darkness and light. Mm-hmm. Chiaroscuro, we call it literature. I don't know what it's called in uh, uh, technically on the screen. But they show you what pure black looks like on these screens before the, every performance. Now, um, did they mention before your show, was there like this public service announcement from Simon Pegg about seeing the movie on a real screen? And No. Yeah, there's this like th- weird sort of set uh, interview with Simon Pegg thanking everybody for coming to the theater to see it. No, I mean, I got there right when they were starting to run the trailers for stuff. But. This was right before the movie. They had all the trailers, 1,700 trailers, and then they had this thank you note from Simon Pegg, and I was like, that's just weird. Yeah. I don't know how how that made me feel. Except weird. <laughs> made me feel kind of weird. All right, we haven't really talked a whole lot about... um. 
what happens. They get pulled off into this nebula, chasing after like, like a it's trope. A There's mission. a rescue mission. Yeah. Um, and there they get attacked by an enemy. Then they destroy the Enterprise right away, which happened in the third uh, episode of the Star Trek movies with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and all that. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really, I mean, it was just a, it was sort of dispatching of the Enterprise. There wasn't really any point to it. And I mean, other than obviously a plot point and it was cool to look at, but it, it wasn't like, uh, <laughs> they really, they were like, huh? Oh, oh, well, well, yeah, they have my to- ship is gone. Big deal. It seems like in Star Trek, they always want to have the crew get overwhelmed and have to scratch and claw their way back into things. And just, you know, through sheer guts, they, you know, manage to come out on top. And, you know, there's always some lucky um, deus ex machina trick pulled at the end that allows them to win against overwhelming odds. But I I don't know. It kind of got old. Plus, they crashed the ship in the last movie. That's my point. They're just getting rid of this. I've seen people more upset when they get their car nicked in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. Someone opens the door too quickly next to them. Then they got upset. Like the original Star Trek went through what, 120 episodes and kept the ship intact. Three movies <laughs> and kept the ship intact. And I don't even know. Sorry, nerd universe. I don't know how many episodes of the original Star Trek there were. Did they ever destroy the Enterprise in the next generation? TV shows? Who no, knows? I have no idea. I, um, so, yeah, now they're just they're disposable, like uh, t- toilet paper. Toilet paper ships. Yeah, I mean, that gets them on the world and keeps them on the world so that they're running around. But it's a contrivance. And, it's but a, I thought that was something you wanted to see more of. Yeah, I like seeing them. Exploring planets. Yeah. Not, they weren't exploring a planet by, I mean, choice. They weren't seeking out new lives and new civilizations. They were having these lives dropped on top of their heads. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that this was going to happen to them and that their entire ship was going to be destroyed. And some of that was good to look at, but I can't really remember any of it. I can't, like, nothing sticks out. Like, the the shot of the Enterprise going through uh, warp space, mm-hmm. that I can remember. And not just because I saw the trailer. The other stuff with the um, the attack, this random attack that comes out of nowhere, that they're completely, un, you know, prepared for. Um, I know it went on for a while, and I know that it, you know, it probably had some interesting things to it, but just sort of num- I'm numbed by it. It yeah. wasn't that interesting visually, I thought. I mean, I know it probably was, but it just doesn't stick out to me, so. No, I mean, I like the adventure parts. I like all the set pieces. The movie never had real stakes for me. And I think that's because the villain just, he fell flat. And I like Idris Elba a lot. I think he's a great actor. Is it a spoiler to say that he's the... No, they've put it out there. Yeah. Um, but he's under so much makeup, and he has this weird cadence to the way he talks. Yeah. You ruin the he's things like that are great about Idris Elba. You put him in your movie because he's a cool-looking guy who you know could create menace if he wanted, and he's got this wonderful British accent. Yeah, he's more menacing as Stitcher Bell in The Wire <laughs> than he is in this movie. Yeah, I just I, I didn't understand that casting choice where um but he also does stupid things his stupid motivations and and inane like the the whole mcguffin of the movie uh 
sort of destroys that character as a villain before you even get started. As far as I'm concerned, I, I mean, yeah, I, I just I, I don't know why they chose him. I mean, he has some name value. Where uh, Sophia Butella, mm-hmm. her character and her personality was able to come through the makeup. Well, you know that character was designed for Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, okay, and then uh, Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to do it's it. It's actually why they called her J Law. <laughs> I read that somewhere, but no, she was the best part of it. She was great. Well, the other. Great character actor who was in there, and I really enjoyed all the scenes with him. Uh, was Kenzer, Scotty's little buddy, played by Deep Roy. Oh, you like the two scenes with him? The midget. I love yeah. that. Deep, I love that guy, Deep the Roy. Midget. The midget. He's also he's famous for playing the Oompa Loompas in the new Charlie and Chocolate Factory films. Uh, I've never seen those. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's one of the right. great uh, midget character actors out there. <laughs> okay. Him and P- Peter Dinklage have, you know, a pretty strong hold on uh, that Dink- market. Dinklage is a dwarf. Dwarf? Uh, yeah. I apologize, sir. What's this guy's name? Deep Roy. Okay. He also has just a great name. Deep Pull. For you. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I, I do think you can have great characters and even put them in all this makeup and everything, but something just didn't work with Idris Elba's character. And I just, I don't think it ever worked on the page. I don't think it was his fault for, you know, not acting right. I think that they're doing too much surf fan service service, not surface, but service to the sort of the template of Star Trek without really fleshing out these characters as villains with clear motivations. But everything that's in the movie seems to be a reference to like an Easter egg, not only to Star Trek, but to other, other movies. Oh, see, I think, did it better. I think all of these movies, they're using the same Star Trek movie as their template, and it's been done to death, guys. You need to have villains who can have a different motivation. Well, like I said, there's some other Star Trek, uh, other science fiction movies. Pacific Rim sticks out for me. I think they stole from Pacific Rim. The whole hive mind thing is Pacific Rim. They did it better in Pacific Rim than they do it here. I like how you roll your eyes. Nobody on nobody can see you rolling your eyes. I'll try and do it louder then, so it'll get picked up. <laughs> I, so the visual, the the plot points, and some of the visuals were derivative. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm excited about the fourth one, <laughs> really. And it sounds like uh, the fourth one will also have some time travel aspects in it. <sighs> Chris Helmsworth has signed up to reprise his role as George, his Kurt's father. I forgot he was in the original one. I mean, he's in there for all of like three minutes. It's meaningless but to me. you know what? I'll go on another adventure. I don't need to see Spock having the same sort of angsty, sad. Bring me more Carl Urban. I hope this film does well so I can get uh, Urban to do another J- Judge Dredd movie. Yeah, Love the Dredd. I don't think the two things are actually necessarily related. That Carl Urban has a bit part in this movie. It's I think Carl Urban could be a really popular action star if given the right vehicle. I'm predicting Carl Urban dies in this next. Oh, Bones dies, but then they Bones. bring him back. Can't kill somehow. Bones. Uh, so you here surprisingly, I think a little bit more down on this movie than I am. But I've had yeah. so much more time to think about it than you. That it's actually gotten better the more that I've thought about it. Surprisingly. Yeah, I, I guess I, I just thought, oh, I, I felt like I knew what the beats were going to be. Like, oh, we're going to have a ship fight. 
they'll go on the planet, there'll be a big action piece there, we'll go back to ships. But that's the way every movie is. I mean, that doesn't bother you with Jurassic World. It didn't bother you at all with Jurassic World. Jurassic World, I lost myself in it. This movie, I I never... or I mean, for brief moments, I'd lose myself. Maybe because Star Trek doesn't mean as much to you. Yeah, if it has the word star in its title, I'm just not into it. (laughs) Well, that's the problem. The main problem that I have with this movie is we already have a Star War. And everything about this movie and and this whole film series has been battles in space so this is like star battle it's not there's not a whole lot of trekking going on as far as i'm concerned the opening sequence of this movie was probably some of the best i mean that they 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 <laughs> use uh perspective tropes and stuff like that that uh make you know they're they're, they're going for the joke it, it felt but like, yeah, i ahead. liked it i i mean i didn't like what it set up in terms of the character of kirk mm-hmm <laughs> But I liked what was happening while it was happening, and I was maybe that's what made me think, oh, this movie could be a little bit different. But when it just evolved into, here's big bad guy villain, snakehead guy, um, who's uh, acts like a lot of other villains from other movies. We're gonna have a battle with him, and Kirk is gonna, you know, have to deal with this guy. And then there's no, it's not like he's gonna, like Kirk's gonna lose necessarily. <laughs> so. It's yeah, no, just, I, eh. I like the first two minutes. It felt like uh, those 80s sitcoms where they'd have that first, you know, opening minute where they could just be funny and it did nothing for the plot to drive the story. And that's the vibe I got when I watched that scene. I'm like, oh, they're just they're just having fun. They get to explore a little bit in this world and just have, you know, three minutes to do whatever. That's what I riff. want more of in Star Trek. Yeah, and that's that's what was worrying me when I watched the movie, one of the trailers, was for the new Star Wars. I was like, yeah, this looks pretty good because it doesn't look a whole lot like Star Wars. Mm. And then I came home and I read an article about how the director's been fighting with the studio and the studio wants a lot of changes. They don't like the tone of this film. Uh, Rogue One? Yeah. And I'm like, ugh. They want to make it more Star Wars-y. Well, you're not going to have, like... (laughs) I don't think with these properties you're going to have much of a choice to examine yourself artistically i mean look what they did with uh simon pegg's writing buddy um from those other uh the the uh, zombie movie oh the Shaun of the dead and yeah. stuff oh uh, edgar Wright. yeah like yeah marvel they, dispatched him right away when he started rubbing up against the the corporate designs you're talking about with ant-man yeah yeah he was on that project for like three years and then left with less than a year to yeah go. i don't i don't see the coen brothers doing a, a star wars movie but it, it would be great if they could just examine one character and a day in the life of or something oh yeah and just see what they can do with Paul the property. thomas anderson yeah <sighs> it's not gonna happen it will never happen they're all hired guns and they might they might add a little bit of something to the mix but Maybe, but I mean, other properties, I think they're having some fun. Did you see the trailer for Skull Island, the new King Kong film? I did not. There are a lot of shots where it looks like Apocalypse Now. You got like helicopters flying into the sunset. Is it set in modern times or set in the 30s? Set in like the 70s, I want to say. So it's set in the time of the remake of of the original King Kong. Yeah. Hmm. All right. But, But there are some shots of like, oh man, this is gorgeous and... Like, if they go with this tone and really make it feel like a war movie, where instead of Nazis, it's a giant gorilla, this could be a lot of fun. Aren't there multiple gorillas? Well, you know, 
this is going to be the There's biggest dinosaurs and stuff, right? Yeah, they show bit skulls, um, hence the name Skull Island. Apparently, this is going to be the tallest King Kong ever because they want to do King Kong versus Godzilla, and they already made Godzilla the tallest Godzilla ever. So, spoiler alert: Godzilla doesn't die. Oh, in the previous in, Godzilla, in no, in Kong Island or Godzilla's Island. not in. No, sorry, oh. King Kong doesn't die. Spoiler alert with yeah. that too. Two spoilers. Way to go. Two for two for one. Mr. Two Frames. For announcing that they've already announced a movie. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. All right, so you want to spoil this movie? Speaking of spoilers? Yeah, sure. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I have some things I like to say. Um, so I've already said the Pacific Rim hive mind thing is better. These are all the things I thought other movies, recent movies, did better than this. Tomorrowland. That whole Yorktown thing just reminded me of Tomorrowland with floating water. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you not see Tomorrowland? Yeah, yeah. Now that you say Tomorrowland, I was thinking of other movies. I was thinking of Star- or, uh, sorry, uh, George Clooney movie from a couple of years ago that came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Serenity. The, f- the best uh science fiction movie of all time. Serenity is not that good. Serenity is good. <laughs> That's beside the point. But they do a better job of finding the videotape of the old crew and then or finding the videotape from the past and then using that to tie into the rest of the uh, the plot of the movie. Warcraft sucking the lifeblood out or the life force out of other beings as, as a prelude or sidebar to the other actual villainy that occurs right there uh the new star wars the bow staff wielding badass warrior chick they did that better you like uh whatever that girl's name is in the st- ray ray yeah she's a ray of light i thought you it? said uh you liked sophia butella i did but i like star wars better <laughs> I, I didn't understand her device that let her like copy herself into three no that was not but explained it, at it all. still had um weight like she could strike with that and then later on she made uh bones and spock appear behind her it looked like she was using that same device that whole... like does it store it it, it didn't read well on film and no. i'm thinking about if you go back to like guardians of the galaxy and he had that gravity ball yeah. they never told you what it was but you knew exactly what it was it read so well on screen it made sense if this if that thing had only been a small part of her character and not the main device that allowed them to rescue her mm-hmm. or allowed Kirk to rescue her. And probably the main thing that is all about the, you know, the theme of never leaving a man behind or whatever, then it wouldn't have been as important. But the fact that that last scene or a penultimate scene on the planet with Kirk flying around in his stupid vintage motorcycle and, replicating or doubling himself it just seemed it, it was another movie uh three amigos <laughs> just oh, like three amigos <laughs> to me uh and then the main one is the wrath of khan because that's all this movie is the wrath of khan stranded on an island or a planet somewhere this guy grows up to be you know yeah seek revenge well so. that seems to be all these villains it's wrath of khan so i mean and i liked benedict cumberbatch's khan I, I, but I thought you just did the storyline in your last film. Yeah. So, I want Klingons. 
Yeah, that's got Cleons always up. look cool. But the it, or the Borg. Well, that's a different. That's the next generation. So what? I it's want Star um, Trek. Uh, a character. I want like the Tribbles, <laughs> or uh, uh, what is it? Mud. I think there's a character named Mud. I, I like I, the villainy, snake-headed uh, creature, revengeful seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, what was the, what was the name of the of the the end of Superman versus Batman? Or Batman versus Superman, the 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 big creature that they do. Doomsday, yeah, Doomsday. That that kind of character. I'm sick of that kind of uh, yeah. villain. I'm I like the trickster villain. The best movies in DC, Marvel, even Star Wars, Star Wars, whatever. Those kinds of uh, trickster characters uh, are more memorable, and you can do a lot more with them than characters that are just mean and menacing and huge, and you know can pretty much just suck your soul right out of you well i want the witty banter i mean that that's one of the things i've always liked in the star trek films our ship has you cornered right. kirk you know lower your shields you know prepare to be boarded and you get this banter going back and forth we never really had that no you Idris never, Elba you never, never really got to talk to the other people he sounded that like bane another movie callback <laughs> he never yeah. I, I couldn't understand half of what he had to say well, and then his master plan is to get to the center of this place and unleash something in their air system. How does he know the that poisonous this poisonous gas? Yeah, it, he knows all about this uh, faraway space station that they built in the hundred years since he's been gone. <coughs> but he doesn't know where the MacGuffin super prize weapon is when it's underneath his face because it's hidden underneath the crab woman's head. Oh, it just didn't seem like that great so of a stupid. weapon. It's just a bio weapon. This is all like referencing terrorism or bioterrorism, right? I guess I, I don't. It, it just didn't. it didn't work for me. It's, his plan is just too far fetched, anyway, and, and it all depended on hap- happenstance. You just happen to have to have Star or uh, um, the Enterprise come to your planet through the nebula mm-hmm. and be stranded there, or you know, so that we can attack you. But and the, but we're not going to be able to find this thing when we board your ship because yeah. you've you, everyone's um, escaped except not everyone. How many crew members are on the starship enterprise? A couple hundred. It's got to be more than that. It's close to a thousand. All right. Well, only Deal. only 10 really survive. No, a lot of them. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. It shows them beaming them up 20 at a time. I think three times they beam. So, Maybe 50 people. My thing is, why don't you ever just beam the bad guy somewhere? I think you can... I don't know if you can beam from place to place. You beam him up to your transporter and shoot him. And beam him back out? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do like that they threw in lines throughout the film to try and explain some of these plot holes. Like, well, can we just beam him out? No, the minerals are... It's too rocky, too metallic. It's getting in the way of our sensors. Okay. Like, at least there were some lines to explain stuff. Yeah, but these were more believable. Okay, whatever. Uh, you know what I learned? Don't what? trust an alien whose head looks like an upside-down testicle. That's okay. the main thing I learned from this movie. And adding Sofia Boutella is like, to your movie is like deep-frying it. What? Everything's better deep-fried. Okay. She's awesome in this movie. Yeah, I like her. Um, Next week's show, Jason Bourne. 
should be good. Right. Even though apparently Matt Damon has less lines than Schwarzenegger had in Terminator 2. Yeah, but I mean, he has fewer lines than uh, Mad Max, and that was the best movie of the year that year, or best action movie anyway. Yeah, yeah we had it up there, so we'll see. Uh, challenge, box office challenge crap, you know. I don't have that. numbers on it. I got the numbers. These are my tiny victories. I think I picked the the uh, the the sleeper pick of the year with lights out. Yeah, you won that. So, so that's what twenty million you get to add. I think I'm. I can only add the difference between the the actual amount that it won in the box office plus its budget. Its budget was five million, and it made twenty. Twenty two. All right, so you get to add 17. seventeen million. Star Trek Beyond sixty million. That was strong. Pretty good for me, man. Did you have anything else this weekend? Uh, yes, I did. I had the, uh, you know, my my theory on this uh, box office challenge is you got to pick an animated sequel. Yeah, I, I remember because you gave me grief for picking Secret Life of Pets. And you're like, no, Ice Age is going to just wipe the floor with Secret Life of Pets. I'm like... I could see it doing eighty to a hundred million, That's a and you just went, ha ha, yeah, yes, bull, yes. You you think your thoughts? I will keep my Ice Age. Was it the fifth movie in there? <laughs> yeah, in and this? it made twenty million. Yeah, <laughs> so not so great. No, there's one movie left for me: Suicide Squad, and uh, you have Jason Bourne. But right now, I have three hundred and thirty million. If you add in Lights Out, all right. And you have four hundred and seventy nine million. I might have three hundred and I might have three hundred and fifty million. If I, I didn't add in the pathetic uh, ice age yet, I, I don't think I added that in yet. Okay. Either way, you're about one hundred and fifty million more than me. Well, you could still maybe pick up another fifteen million with Peach Dragon. I might, I might. It might be closer than than you think, Mister Two Frames. I think I'm going to get another fifty million with Born this weekend. So. I'll be up around two hundred million on you. All right, and which is uh, Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, I don't. We'll, we'll see. We will see. All right, you got a quote to kick I us do. out the, the door. The most famous split infinitive in literature. No idea. Well, in movies, it's probably to boldly go. Right. Oh. Even if you look that up, this is from a uh, poem by Lord Byron. He's all about uh, lost love, a love that he has for someone, forlorn love, unrequited. And he's got four or five uh, stanzas here, actually five stanzas where he talks about different reasons how women or this woman in particular doesn't love him. And then the last stanza reads, thus much and more, and yet thou lovest me not and never wilt. Love dwells not in our will, nor can I blame thee, though it is my lot. Too strongly, wrongly, vainly love thee still. Split infinitive. <laughs> nice. Now we get to end the shows with poetry. Well done, sir. It's well literature. Done. Literature. All right. Well, you know what they say. There be dragons. And <laughs> box at Bodum, everybody. Are you going to the movies this weekend? Let Laugh know what you saw. 
Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash the Laugh Podcast. The best comments will get read on a future show. 